Da 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 da! You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Brian Gill, what are we talking about this morning? What some people think may be the best picture frontrunner spotlight. That's not all we're talking about this week, Brian. Oh, it's not. Because our our Star Wars episodes are still still coming out. Believe it or not, there are more to come of those. I lost my job. Uh, I don't know about you guys because I've just been so committed to this Star Wars <laughs> marathon thing. But uh, I've, I've lost everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Richard's apartment is just Richard lost his out. will to live. Yeah. So that's more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was a fun experience. And I'm excited for for the listener to hear the rest of that. Um, yeah. That marathon. Dude, eight hours is hard, man. Yeah, like, it is. We went Stuff. for in one sitting too. Yeah. yeah, we went for twice as long as the longest show on the ticket is. Like, think about yeah. that. Like, we yeah. went for a really long time. So I think we all had uh, checkout moments occasionally. I know I did. I think I hit a wall in maybe the next to last episode. I just kind of blanked a little bit, and I know Richard did too. And you Richard, left the room during one recording for a little bit. So, Richard I mean, hit a wall like after the first episode. I could tell he was like. He he realized what he was in for, and then he was just, oh god! <laughs> like we all we all I rallied. Having having the other two voices in the room definitely helped because I think there were times where all well all three of us were just kind of they they brought done. they brought a, fre- a fresh perspective. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, and it was definitely a learning experience for everybody. And I sure. learned a lot from the other hosts, and so I'm yeah. excited for the listener to hear those conversations. And those will come out randomly over the past yeah. couple of the, the until the Force Awakens comes out. So just re- refresh your podcast app or go to the website every you know once a day and see. Uh, maybe we got something fresh cracking. Over we do. There I know what you're thinking. We do have a Star Wars Christmas special episode, <laughs> which we should do. No joke. That would I, you be can't awesome. find it anywhere. I have it. I could give it to. I could give. Oh, it to really? You. Yeah. We can make it happen. That that would be very funny. And uh, so, Merry Christmas to everybody. Um, it's it's getting that time of year, and it's an Oscar season is definitely in full swing now. And uh, and Spotlight, the movie we're talking about today or this morning. Yeah, it's is, morning. We should put it's that very out. early in the morning. If you can't tell by my <laughs> voice, um, is uh, is getting a lot of buzz. It's Spotlight, and uh, for for a couple of reasons. Yeah, and mainly they're the acting and performances, and so I'm excited to talk about good acting, mm-hmm. which is one of our favorite subjects on the show. Yep. We also like bad acting, and we like bad <laughs> acting too, as well. It's mediocre acting. We're not. Yeah, too it's it's the, uh, the the C plus acting that we right. really yeah we really can't talk about. So, thank you, uh, Rob Schneider. <laughs> we, I think Rob Schneider is pleased with that assessment. Oh, thanks, C you guys. C plus, C plus, Rob Schneider. That's that's your career. That's nicest thing anybody said about me in twenty years. Yeah. A lot of potential, kind of O'Malley-ish, but overall, <laughs> we, if we ever C+. get a Copy Boy uh, movie, he'll be it'll be right back to the top. But there's some a uh, little bit of movie news cracking, I believe. Movie news, yes, rumors and rumbling. That's awesome. Let the filibustering. Begin. Yeah, we could uh, we could talk a little. You guys want to talk a little Batman v Superman? You want to talk the lawsuit this early Sunday morning? <laughs> I do want to talk about that. <laughs> and I was very confused over the past week. I'll admit because there was a there was a one minute teaser trailer, kind of like maybe a clip from the movie. It looked like 
not really a trailer, but like a clip from a scene of the movie right. uh, that came out in which, uh, I guess, Batman is held hostage or kept, you know, in a jail of some sort. And uh, Superman, like, visits him in jail. And uh, I saw that and uh, cringed immediately, of course, but I didn't think much of it, you know. It wasn't really a trailer. It wasn't anything uh, that gave much away about the movie. And so in the in the days following that, so many people were tweeting us and tweeting me and our show on Facebook and things like that saying, oh my gosh, I've just seen this Batman v Superman trailer. And I was thinking, I didn't even reply to most of them because like, yeah, I saw it. It wasn't, you know, wasn't anything to really even do a segment on. Yeah. And then I hadn't realized that there was another trailer that had dropped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. this one, could, we could do a whole episode on. <laughs> so I apologize for not understanding what people were saying about this trailer. Yeah. But we, we're going to do it do justice right now and uh, and give our thoughts. Man, what a mess. I am just, I'm just, I'm just more confident now than ever that this is, this is going to be, this is going to be hard to watch in some areas. And yeah. I'm interested to hear your take on Eisenberg because this was, Gosh, I, I, literally, I literally laughed out loud at one moment of the trailer. So I'm excited to hear what you think, Brian. I've only watched it once and it was uh, <laughs> four or five days ago. That's all I could so. bring myself to. I'm going to have to watch it again now so we yeah. can go over Gosh. every little bit. Hold on. Man. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh. Not great. Not great, guys. We took some flack. I, I heard from a few listeners who were uh, who are still excited about this. The I only, guess. The, let me just say, right off the top, the only people I've, I've seen that are excited are like the Batman people that literally their entire room is still covered in Batman stuff at age 48, you know? <laughs> like those people are really stoked about this. And that's pretty much the only um, demographic I've found. Um, but. I think there's there's a subset of people who think that who think that Zack Snyder is a good director and or have convinced themselves that he's not a bad director or maybe they just work out a lot and they're like right in the sweet spot of what Zack Snyder is going for. I had a little bit of I went back and forth with the listener uh, on our our uh, our official Mad About Movies podcast movie or uh, Twitter feed and uh, and was he seemed like he was stoked about Snyder. And I, I just look, it's his vision is just terrible to me. Like I can't, I just can't go there at all. And I think this, uh, I think this proved I, we had at least one person had said something like that. We, do you just not like the concept? No, I don't care about the con the concepts fine. It's, it's the director. It's the vision. It's what we're seeing in these trailers that show that they've put this, universe not just a franchise like an entire universe in the hands of somebody who maybe has never made a good movie i, I mean and if he has it's th two it's 300 and oh, that was not, six. Yeah, yeah it hasn't aged well at all and no. so i like watchmen watchmen's not a, i wouldn't say that watchmen's a bad movie but i also know there are a lot of people who are watching fanboys who hated watch i hate watchmen and, hate it hate it and, hate it yeah so man i it's that just was a triple hate from Richard. Wow, I know he's triple yeah. hate. I think I need to rewatch. He's really, uh, really interesting. I thought, but I had just read the the graphic novel when I saw the mm -hmm. movie, and I think I might have been uh, Watchmen out maybe when I watched it, and it made me uh, agitated. But I'll yeah. I'll give it another shot. If you give it a shot and you're willing, okay, I'm here for three hours. I'm gonna give this a. I'm gonna give this a hundred percent. I there's there's stuff to enjoy in Watchmen. That, that's his. That's his best and 
probably br- only effort we could say that I don't know. It's like Michael Bay. He got all of his decent stuff out early in his career, and now he's just hitting us over the head with what he's doing. Yeah. Um. I I think Zack Snyder's stuff looks great. I think he like when you take a screenshot from any of his trailers or movies, it looks great. You know, he's got a good eye for it, but he just can't tell a story. To me, Gareth Edwards is the Zack Snyder who's good. Like he's got that really cool, yeah, uh, good- way of shooting a movie and kind of. You know, takes big risks with things like Godzilla and Star Wars and things, but um, yeah. actually knows how to tell a story. So, thank you, Zack Snyder. But we have Gareth Edwards now, and we'll take him. <laughs> but I mean, there are several several moments of the trailer that I don't like. But there's one thing that I do like about Zack Snyder's Superman is that this hitting over the head that it's he's like a god to them and all this. I actually do like that. Like, there's a scene in the new trailer where. There's like a flood and there's a woman yeah. standing on her roof with a Superman logo and like she sees Superman in the sky and she starts like crying and praying and all that. I do like that because that does show to me like if this was a real thing, that's how people would be treating it. Like it's it's Jesus Christ himself. It's not an alien. It's not some, you know, all that. So I, I'm, I'm excited to see how he explored that. And but, you know, to me, that's that's the coolest part of the movie right there is what they just showed in the trailer of. Yeah. Uh, at least as far on that plot line. And uh, I don't know. Uh, Eisenberg looks like he's going to be the coolest part of the movie. Hey, guys. What do you think about that, Richard? Uh, Honestly. I'm polishing up the Oscar. Are you giving it? Are you, you, do, you have, <laughs> do you have an open mind? Yes, I do. I probably am more open-minded than you guys because I'm, I don't really have a comic book team um, as someone who didn't read very many of these i think the watchman um and a couple frank miller uh books is is all i i've ever read in the in the comic or graphic novel graphic novel uh side of things so i i i would like for it to be good i think that would be cool uh but i i do i do not like Zack snyder so you know i'll go in with no i thought man of i thought man of steel was the best trailer i saw right uh, that year and maybe it, it, the years around it as well. It's an incredible trailer. And I was yeah. pretty psyched to see that because I knew Zack Snyder, who I was not a fan of, but I, I am a fan of Christopher Nolan and he was kind of overseeing it. And I went into that movie with a total open mind and then uh, just yeah. murdered a child as soon as I left out of <laughs> anger because it was so bad. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a little less open minded going into this one, I'll admit. The, yeah. the Man of Steel because I thought I you was, were going to say you murdered a kid's parents, but that's no, <laughs> no. I just threw them up against the building and crashed the building for uh. thirty minutes. So I, I'm, I, I, I will confess to being less open minded for this one because the 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 sore is still oozing from Man of Steel, but uh, but I, I, I would like for it to be good. It would be cool. I like Ben Affleck and I, I like Jesse Eisenberg fine if he's not, you know, a wizard or uh, or Lex Luthor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like Jesse Eisenberg in the right uh, thing, and uh, that's it. I don't know. I don't. I have no. I don't. I've never seen a Henry Cavill in anything else. He looked like he, you know, Man from Uncle, maybe you know, but uh, I, I have no feelings for him whatsoever. I, I, he looks the part. I think he's a cool looking Superman, um, but you know, whatever. But yeah. it looks. Uh, I mean, I'm a Dean King. It, der- it looks derivative to me. I'm a, I'm big time. You know, you know, you guys know me. I'm yeah. I'm big time team Dean Kane, and so I don't like when people mess with people that he. I think they're famous. 
Yeah. Well, the real I mean, DC, Dean Kane. <laughs> right. The curse you put on Brandon Routh paid off. So, you know, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it seems okay, to be paying its dues. So the Emmys or somebody has an award show and they seat all the celebrities in, in order of ranking. Who has a better seat, Dean Kane or Brandon Routh? Oh, Dean Kane. <laughs> Dean Kane. No yeah. question. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Yeah. No question. Yeah. Dean Cain was the host of Ripley's Believe It or Not, Richard, which is a moderately <laughs> successful show in the late 90s on cable. So <laughs> so you're saying that alone puts him ahead of that Brandon puts him ahead Ralph, of Brandon Ralph, Superman yeah. in a movie. Who, who he also was a, was, a, tough. Who was, singer was Superman. Rollerball or Thunderball TV movie Dean Cain did in the 90s. Yeah, I'll let you guys it's like a remake of. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a Rollerball. Rollerball. Yeah, Dean Cain? I don't remember that. It was yeah, a TV. I, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. I saw Rollerball. I don't remember Dean Kane in it, but maybe I'm crazy. Let's see. I'm looking this up. Well, I mean, we'll obviously do an episode on this. But uh, my Google search history is forever going to say is Dean Kane in Rollerball. <laughs> the, the Rollerball it wasn't Rollerball. It was something. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Okay. I want to. Gosh, I feel like Wesley Snipes. Future Sport. That's what it's called. Future, Future Sport. Sport. Future Sport. That's Trey exactly Ramsey. Trey Ramsey with a Z. So. <laughs> with with Dean Kane, Vanessa Williams, and Wesley Snipes. I got it right. Wesley Snipes. <laughs> In 2025, future sport yeah. is the organized sport of the planet, but yeah. someone else is getting organized, and their game is war. Wow. I that remember forcing my parents to let me watch that on TV. <laughs> like, there was a TV We're going to make time for this. Okay, I the... feel like this may have been on TV at some point, like cut for NBC or something. No. It's yeah, a TV well, it's, movie. It's, yeah, it's a TV okay. movie. It's rated yeah. R. It's weird. <laughs> it's, it was. <laughs> that is awesome. So it was. It also cost nine million dollars to produce. No way! Oh my God. I think that, uh, the economy of the nineties, man. Man. Crazy. <laughs> so I, I, I will say that I, I think after this, I think what people are gonna be most excited about after seeing Batman v Superman is Affleck. I think people are going to be like, man, he's a pretty good Batman. You know, that's, that's going to be like the one positive. I hope you're right. I hope so too. I think we're all Affleck fans and would like uh, for him to, to do well, but I'm concerned that when this is terrible, uh, that no one's going to come out on skate or that they're going to be looking for a, a scapegoat. And I, you know, I don't personally feel like he's going to be a great Batman just going in. That's just a, I don't know, just what I kind of gather. But I don't know that it's going to be his fault, if that makes sense. That this, if he's not a great Batman, I'm not going to say that he. What's going to ruin it is the dumb bat suit thing. Yeah, the the bat suit looks terrible, and the uh, robot voice thing. That's that that might ruin it all. Yeah. Do we we need to talk about Zod, right? Because that. There are, there are some things, yeah. That's a thing. Yeah. Zod is a thing, too, <laughs> apparently, again. Michael Shannon's great. I mean, Michael Shannon is a great actor, so let's make him a monster. It, it looks... Yeah. It looks and it looks like well, an incredible... Spoiler whole, alert. Uh, yeah, it, look, it looks Tim like Roth. the... Yeah, what was that thing called? I can't abomination. remember. Abomination. Yeah, the Abomination. It looks exactly like... It looks like the Abomination had a baby with the troll from Lord of the Rings. Like, it's... <laughs> It's the same exact like thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's just, it, it's awful. So, uh, but, man, so, but they get, spoiler alert, they give away that obviously at the end, we see that Batman and Superman are no longer V and they are now together. So, like, it's just, 
It's this the movie dawn of, has it's the dawn of justice. I know this movie has less stakes than any sort of blockbuster <laughs> movie you will yeah. ever see. Like we, you could. T- this is totally going to be the movie that in the. That's exactly what I said, Brian. Is this yeah. going to happen? I said because yeah. you put Dawn of Justice, we know that they're going to come to right. a truce at the end of exactly. the movie and form the Justice League. So yeah. there's a, honestly no point in us going and wasting two no, hours. No, that's what I'm saying. Like in 20 years, when we're looking back at this franchise and this universe, we're going to be able to. We're going to say. The movie that you, if you machete order this, the movie that you can absolutely just cut out without any question is going to be Batman v Superman. It will not matter because there's nothing that can. I don't know. They're all going to come together at the end and fight together for Justice League. And I guarantee Wonder Woman shows up in the trailer. Right. That's yeah. what I said. An- yeah. Another one of the moments, like man, best moment of the movie when Wonder her entrance was awesome. Right. Yeah. Well, nope. Gave it away in the trailer. Sorry, we've we've seen it. Gosh. So I man. I'm glad that but you're Aquaman going guys, with, Aquaman. So, yeah. I'm glad I'm glad you have an open mind, Richard. And I don't know about you, Kate, because I just I can't. Like I would love for this to be good, but I cannot see a way in which like it we're at the point where if this is just a C, then I'm gonna be like, it was okay. Not bad. Better than I expected. I could say you know? that the best that it can hope for, like rotten tomatoes wise, is like a sixty three percent. Like yeah, just barely over the okay, it this is Batman. So like kinda like Bond, you know? Yeah. Like the, yeah. I think Spectres around there. It's like okay, well, it was James Bond, and James Bond's fun, so I give it the benefit of the doubt as far as that goes. Okay, you know, so it ends up a little bit fresher than you would think. And same with like the Star Wars prequels. Like, yeah, it's Star Wars though, you know, and and, right. and, and there's always an element of weird to it, you know, and all that. And so that that's taken into consider. I think that will too be the case for this too. And why don't we take a guess, take a stab at? Where Batman vs Superman's Rotten Tomato score will settle, um, t- say one week after release. So, like when we do our episode, I said sixty three. That's my guess. Okay, sixty three. Brian, I'm gonna go lower. Uh, hold on. Well, let, let's look at. I want to see what Man of Steel was because I think it's it's rotten. Man. Okay. So fifty six, fifty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes okay. for Man of Steel. I'm going to go – I'm just going to go split the vote. I'm going to go 50%. I'm going to go 58%. Okay. I would love I would love to be wrong. I really would, but I just don't – I don't see how I can – that Eisenberg thing, oh, yeah. boy, that was – I don't know what he's going for there, kind of. That was – He's was going for a cool. Jim Carrey slash <laughs> yeah. – Yeah. I don't – awesome. I don't – awesome. Gosh. I just – it's such a bummer because Batman <laughs> it is, is so awesome. Great. It's going to be awesome to, fun, to watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Batman is so great. And as I've said in the past, I don't care about Superman, but I do think there's ways that you can do Superman well in film. It just hasn't been done consistently. But I just, I will never understand putting this franchise in the hands of, of Zack Snyder. It just doesn't. Every decision down the line has, has been, I think, bad. He's so. doing the entire Justice League franchise. I know. So. I know. We're it, in for the long haul. And it's it's just it, and it's exactly. weird to me that they went ahead and handed that over to him, kind of sight unseen, because Man of Steel didn't exactly set the world on fire. So, I mean, you know, you know what, box you know, Michael though. Shannon looks like if you took the shell and bandana off the Ninja Turtles from 2014. That's what he looks like in the trailer. <laughs> like yeah, you you t- tore away the shell and you're yeah. like, ugh. Put yeah. the shell back on, you know? <laughs> That's what these things look like. <laughs> Love it. That's, it's pretty good. Man, bad. Pretty good. Very. Man of Steel did better than I thought it did overseas. Oh, it made a ton of money. I'm sure. Still not. A re- I mean, 
six sixty eight million, which is obviously a lot of money, but uh, I do, I feel like he it did not do the way that they expected it to do here, like two ninety one here, and almost half of that was opening weekend. So I don't know. It's one of the better Superman movies, but there are very <laughs> few of them to go by. So, gosh, mm. I hope they never. I, yeah, I hope this is it. I hope this Justice League thing happens and it's swept under the rug, and then we're done. <laughs> Until somebody that knows what they're doing can get a hold of it. All right. Um, is that it for movie news? Is that all we really yeah. want to touch on? There was a disaster at a screening of The Hateful Eight, which I don't know if you all heard about. I didn't read they the did story a, that yeah, you leaked. Yeah, they they did a, a special screening in L.A. of it. And a 70-millimeter screening. Yeah. And apparently the the focus was out on uh the first reel like something was off from the very beginning they said and then the second reel didn't even work Ooh. on the projector so they had to show the rest of it uh digitally so that's not what you want to hear when you got a lot of important people coming to see this 70 millimeter thing that you've sworn by right if you're Quentin Tarantino yeah and it's ba- only the second screening of the movie so um you know not it's good, funny press. it's not, not getting it's not getting the great buzz that you expect to get from a Tarantino, especially one of this. I saw a review that, that said stuff. it was th- over three hours, maybe right in at three hours. The uh, 70 millimeter has is over three hours. It has an intermission with the yeah. overture. Yeah. Right. And then the apparently the digital copy is like two thirty. Once again, over three hours, but that it had definitely had Oscar performances in it. That yeah. that was its main. I'm sure it'll be in the screenplay competition and and uh, performances yeah. as well. That's its. I don't know about best picture. Yeah, but, uh, I'm looking at uh, IndieWire's list, and it, by the way, I want to say that if if anybody's got a if there's a better predictor list, the one I'm that saying, I used to look yeah. at, it, it they their uh, their blog ended this year, and so and they were always pre. I think that was Rope of Silicon, and they they had a pretty good uh, pretty good track record. So if something's better than IndieWire, one of our listeners can point me the way I'd, I'd love to see it. They do have hateful eight now as the number eight film in the top 10. So I guess it's as for best picture. So yeah. I guess it's got a chance again. It'll, yeah. So I'm hearing mixed reviews on the Revenant as well. One week I hear that, man, it was a letdown <laughs> right. and it's not going to be something to, you know, that's going to give Leo his Oscar. And the next I hear like, it's the best movie of, of all time and all this stuff. So yeah, that'd be a polarizing one to discuss mm-hmm. as well. Sure. Coming down the stretch here. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. So you want to get into Spotlight Talk? Let's do it. Who wants to start things off? Brian, I guess we'll go with you then. Okay. 
So uh, Richard has been pumping this film for yeah. a while, and uh, I didn't really, I'll be honest, I didn't know what it is. This, this is kind of what happens with uh, smaller uh, awardsy Oscar-type films because we don't really know about them at the beginning of the year. And then uh, if you follow you know, the kind of festival circuit and the, the release calendar and all that sort of the way that, that I have over the years, you know, you find that some of the films that you're really excited about at Sundance or uh, any of the other uh, big big festivals, Toronto, uh, by the time they actually get to a release, it actually gets down to the kind of the end of the calendar. It's, re- it's a real crapshoot. There's been so many times where I've been really excited about uh, a smaller film that's like, oh, man, this is going to just, you know, light the world on fire and then we don't see it for three years you know it never yeah. comes out really um and then there's this movie that uh, i i just really wasn't real familiar with uh with what it was and uh richard's been pumping it and so uh i went and saw it this weekend and i i texted you guys and said okay we we absolutely like we have to make time for this one because this is a uh this is quite the film and i, I hope you guys i know richard agrees with me ken i hope you were impressed as well um I don't feel like there are many films that I see in a year uh, where I come out thinking like that was an important movie. You know, I mean, I can't I can't freaking wait for Star Wars and uh, I'm going to see it 150 times over the first weekend and, uh, you know, cry every time. I'm sure just because of just sheer elation. And I'm so excited about it. But. Uh, you know, Star Wars is not an important movie and Creed is probably not an important movie. And it's very rare to find a, this type of film. That's not a documentary that, uh, I would say that's like, that should be kind of required viewing. Um, and, uh, and I think this is, I think this is a, this is one of the most important films that I think I've ever seen. And, uh, certainly that we've ever, we've ever talked about, um, I do feel like this is one example where we need to kind of lay out what the movie is about because we are going to have I don't I think there's a lot of people that haven't ever even heard of this film. So this is this is telling the story of the Boston Globe team of writers who uh who broke the Catholic Church sex abuse scandal in 2001 and 2002 and just the process that they went through to to break the story and uh put it together and and the after effects and all that. And it is, uh, it's a remarkable film and it's just filled to the brim with, uh, with performances that deserve mention and consideration for all of the awards. And, uh, I walked out and told Richard, man, I just, I don't know how you, uh, I don't know how anybody in that, in the movie who talks, who has three lines, uh, doesn't get some kind of a nomination, you know, because it's just, it's so well acted and so, uh, perfect in the way that it is it's put together so man I, this is a this is a great uh, spoiler alert this is a great film for me and uh what a gosh this year has just been so good for this stuff uh because it's gonna be real hard to pick a top five and a top 10 at the end of the year and every time i go see a movie it seems like that list in my head kind of changes because the new film is so good so uh anyway spotlight i'm very impressed and one of the better one of the you can't call this enjoyable at all, but one of the um, one of the better one of the better films I've seen this year easily, and one that I think I think everyone needs to get out and see. Better movie, Spotlight or The Cobbler? <laughs> I, know, I know, right? I was so weird. 
I was so excited for this because I'm such a journalism nerd. And, right. Uh, love this cast, you know. And then, so I said, oh, Tom McCarthy, that name sounds familiar. What else has he done? This is like three months ago. <laughs> and uh, I looked that up and I, w- I just like shut my computer and just sat. Win win. Win win was actually a really good movie. Uh, yeah. The Visitor's very good. The Visitor's uh, very good. Yeah. But, but Million Dollar Arm and The Cobbler is his last two films is. Uh, it's a little scary. It's very odd. It's, yeah. it's very odd to go from the cobbler to this. That we're talking about the director, by the way, the director Tom McCarthy. His uh, his filmography is pretty interesting. Yeah, and it was uh, shocking for me to find that out as well. And I just wanted to see your, your opinion <laughs> on that. But I think you did a good job here. Oh yeah, um, I I don't think the directing was really anything to. That this, I don't think it'll get a Best Director nomination or anything like that. Um, there wasn't. I couldn't set this apart from any of the other. Uh, like Danny Boyle, I feel like got the most he could of Steve Jobs as far from a like mm-hmm. here, give me the script. I'm gonna direct the crap out of this. I don't. I mean, I think the, he got good performances out of the actors in this, but that's really about it. Like there wasn't much else to write home about other than the way the performances were captured. I think um, as the far pacing. Yeah. I think the pacing is really good, and is I the performances are all incredible, and they deserve all the mention that we're going to give them. But this is a type of movie that could bog down really quickly and get either boring or get uh, almost like melodramatic if the pacing's not on. And that's the director, and I I think that the pacing in this is kind of flawless. Richard, do you have any thoughts on this movie? You know, Brian had a really funny joke. Uh, that he sent me that said when I when I walked out of this movie, I just wanted to like call you know BuzzFeed and scream at them, right? You know, yeah. it, it, the movie itself it harkens back to a to to journalism kind of in its last legs, you know, early two thousands and that type of print journalism and the it, it definitely is a glorification of that process and and you know how many how many movies do you know that have really elegant and riveting scenes about like sourcing <laughs> right yeah uh-huh. this yeah. does that and it like makes that romantic now journalism has changed in those in these 15 years and it's it's better in a lot of ways and it's worse in a lot of ways and, th- and this highlights uh a lot of what's worse about it mm-hmm. uh, so just kind of like you like you said right if that it was just a documentary about that it would be right. that interesting but then as as a piece of kind of creative work um it's it's really yeah it's it's such a uh, it's such an oddly captivating film that they that they really rope you into to caring about this uh, you know not that it's not something worth caring about it's it's a tragic thing what happened here and awful but that the issue at hand isn't really the story of the film it's more the way it's tackled the story of the film which is odd it seems like that would make the movie bad but it it makes it better in a weird way. The angle that this film is approached from is is really interesting, and then it's just perfectly, perfectly cast. Yeah, and you know it's it's the least showy, great acting film I've ever seen. I think maybe none yeah. of these, no one's doing like their Oscar scene. They're just right. kind of doing the work, and it's 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 fantastic. So, uh, kudos to to all involved there. Yeah, this will definitely win like the SAG Best Cast Award. Yeah. Best ensemble or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna. I think that's a shoe in, but I think it will be difficult, Brian, because like you said, it's right. so dispersed, and there's you know great performances that have seven lines. Right. And, <clears throat> excuse yeah. me. And 
There's like eight people that you could put in the supporting actors race. So I think, and there's only five slots. So and there's other movies. Weirdly, and and Creed. I mean Stallone. So uh, it's gonna be tough. Uh, But yeah, you could if you if the nominations came out tomorrow, and Keaton and Ruffalo were not included, but Stanley Tucci and some of those guys were, you'd be like, okay, I get it. You know, (laughs) that's. it's amazing, amazing the depth of the performances. Yeah, here. Tucci was great. Yeah. And there's no way to really rank. I thought about doing like a ranking of the performances in this film, and there's there's just no way to do it. Everyone right. is an A plus plus plus, and uh, and I think that, you know it, it, that's a testament to McCarthy too, because the two things of being a director is not just shot selection, but it's working with actors and right establishing the tone on set to to bring out those performances, understanding the material and all of that. And, uh, you know, I, yeah, it was great. I'm a, like one of my heroes is Ben Bradley. And so to see Ben Bradley Jr. Uh, portrayed by uh, Slatterly was fun. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and Slatterly has this great Boston accent. But, and I was thinking, like, why is he not doing one like everyone else is? And I realized Ben Bradley's, you know, Jr.'s uh, uh, from D.C. So uh, <laughs> that's, he was actually doing the right thing there, which is stupid. I want to yeah. hear his cool Boston accent. But, uh, <laughs> This is up there for me, but but I'm I'm more interested in what Kent and, and Brian, what you guys have to say, and what some of our listeners have to say because this is like my this is my kind of Star Wars. This is like what I grew up like nerding out over is this kind of journalism, and so like I'm gonna like this even if it's bad. So I think it's really good, but but I'm curious, Kent, like uh, your general thoughts. Yeah, generally, I think it's it's a home run, um, the, yeah. mainly because of the ensemble and the acting. I think Ruffalo easily is the best thing out of this movie performance wise which surprised me not the biggest yeah. ruffalo fan um, it was it was weird when he met the um the one priest on the carousel it's weird when he he just re- revealed that he was a magician at the end <laughs> right. and everyone was really confused like you've been here the whole time with us right. yeah that's how he got the sources yeah his, his magical powers he, he was actually a priest yeah he, <laughs> he man he was so great and Keaton was good, but in the way you said, Richard, more subtly good. Like, I'm not going to give it my, you know, I'm not going to go over the top with this. I'm just going to give it up. Yeah, it's not as flashy as something like Birdman was last year. Definitely not. Um, And I could say the same for the other performances. Rachel McAdams, um, depending on what happens with Best Supporting Actress, she could get one one because there haven't been very many supporting actress uh, performances this year that I can think of that would automatically be a shoe in ahead of her at this point. And uh, Jennifer Jason Lee will probably get a Best Actress right. nomination for Hateful Eight, and maybe Kate Winslet for yeah. Steve Jobs gets a supporting nomination. Right. But we'll yeah, uh, Indie Wire right now has Jennifer Jason Lee, uh, Alicia Vikander from The Danish Girl, uh-huh. Jane Jane Fonda from Youth, Rooney Mara from Carol, and Kate Winslet as your top five. McAdams is listed for, at for Best seven. Actress for supporting supporting. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Well, she's right in there then. She's got yeah, she's got a chance. Man, she Stanley, can only travel back in time. <laughs> Stanley Tucci so might good, might dude. be my favorite actor. I'm not even kidding. He yeah. I know Fastbender's my number one and Walking Phoenix is probably up there too, but man, Stanley Tucci's right in the top three. Everything he does, I'm I'm blown away. I love this guy. It's incredible. He like just, if you watch 
there's a little movie called Easy A. I don't know if you guys have ever yes. seen that. Uh-huh. And he just does this breezy kind of cool dad performance. And you're like, ah, Stanley Tucci. And then you see something like this. You're like, ah. like yeah. he's so, uh, his range is, is, is incredible. He's, yeah. He's and then remarkable. you see the Hunger Games and you're like, holy yeah. crap. Yeah. He's so great. You know? And man, I really appreciate uh, Stanley Tucci and what he brought to this movie. And this is, they used him perfectly. Like this is, yeah. this was, if this was anybody else, I'd be a little bit concerned. We would be talking about like, why wasn't that Stanley Tucci who played that role? You know? Yeah. But I mean that that's just a few of the performances. There are there are even more than that that I can Billy Crudup is great. Again. Yeah. Good to see yeah. him. I you know, he needs to do more work, I think. Um, yeah. Leave Schreiber as well. Leave Schreiber is so good in this. He, he he won't get mentioned. He won't get fine, mentioned, but, but he gosh. was the person I was gonna I wanted to talk about the most on the yeah. on the show because he's so concerned, you know, mm-hmm. but you know, has a job to do and all that. You know, he played the boss, the overseeing boss character very well. Yeah. And um, and he was right all along, you know. He was right to do the story, and he was right with um, the impact of the story as well. Mm-hmm. And, man, what an impactful story it is. And, you know, you heard about this, and the person I went and saw it with was asking me, do you remember all that? Because it's been swept under the rug, so, I mean, not well. It's not good that it's been swept, but it's been, you know— we're so far removed from that that people right. seem to have forgotten about it and everything. I was like, yeah, I remember how big a deal it was and how all these priests were getting kicked out of their churches and all these people were coming forward, you know, in almost every city. And, um, you know, I didn't realize that it was a team of journalists that brought that to light. I think I thought it was just people coming forward, you know, going to the police and things like that, that really um, put the spotlight on it, so to speak. And uh-huh. so this, this was interesting. I didn't, you know, I didn't realize it was a crack team of reporters that, you know, were doing the doing the old old school journalism, investigative journalism thing. And I think investigative journalism in it in itself is really an interesting subject yeah. for a movie, regardless of what they're if they're investigating a murder. That's great. You know, I think it's always interesting to see how people come to conclusions and uh, weed weed out uh, people and all that in a case. So, man, heartbreaking, though, absolutely heartbreaking. And, yeah. and um, you know, you feel for all these people, definitely. And, you know, it really started to get started to get a little bogged down at the beginning. But when they started interviewing the victims is when it really started to get interesting. And and, you know, you really wanted to find out how the conclusion of this story and, and what ended up happening. But, man, absolutely heartbreaking. But, you know, th- like they say in the movie, um they they're asking these victims to go into grave detail about what happened to him be, for the simple reason of you know people aren't going to care unless you tell us right. the all the details because saying you got molested is not we we don't know what happened you know that can mean 50,000 different things but when right. we know exactly what happened then we can sympathize with you and say oh my gosh how could a person go through that you know and that's so true you know <laughs> that's so true and and it's hard to hear but it needs to be heard you know so yeah. It, yeah, it's absolutely yeah. heartbreaking, and and um, I'm glad I saw this. You know, I I it's not one that I want to revisit every week. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, but yeah. I'll I'll definitely revisit it again because of how well it's done. But man, it's it, like you said, Brian. It's important, and um, I'm I'm glad I I had the experience. I would definitely wouldn't have seen this if not for y'all suggesting sure. to do this episode and to talk about this and everything. So I uh, appreciate appreciate the suggestion, but. Uh, more details, Brian, about your thoughts. Yeah, 
I, to echo kind of what you said, I, I remember when the story broke, but I'm a sa- I was in the same boat. Like, I didn't really remember how it went down or I, I know I didn't read the story or, or anything like mm-hmm. that. Um, but that was – I think what struck me the most is, is – Richard said, you know, this is kind of a romantic version of, of what journalism means, you know, and, and, uh, and that's, that's true. But I felt like – I felt like McCarthy and everybody, they did a very good job of avoiding being – of over-romanticizing what these people did. And instead just kind of – it was so subtle and just kind of sticking to – uh, Okay, yeah. It, look, this is a movie about journalism, about the importance of journalism, but it was so, so well done that I think that almost came across organically. Like nobody had to say journalism is important and yell it, you know, or something like that. It was so uh, it's kind of left to the viewer to understand that, like, <laughs> hey, this was only 14 years ago and journalism was still journalism at that point and you guys all just spent six hours on buzzfeed today you know like that's i don't want to attack buzzfeed specifically like there's nothing wrong with all that sort of i mean we all fall victim to listicles listicles and clickbait i was gonna say like what did i say to you brian like 39 reasons spotlight (laughs) yeah Yeah, exactly yeah um but we are kind of in a we're at a point and I'm the same as Richard. I grew up in love with with the newspaper and journalism and what I wanted to do. Uh, number one, what I wanted to do was be an NBA basketball player. And unfortunately, that, I'm five foot eight and, you know, not athletic, but that's fine. Um, I was convinced that I would just I wanted it more so I would make it. And if I couldn't hey, be I'll call JJ Barea. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um <laughs> Just didn't work hard enough. Um, I, you know, if I couldn't be a basketball player, I think, I, you know, I wanted, I wanted to write for a newspaper. There was just something so important and impressive about that title, about being able to say, you know, I'm, I'm a news, I'm a reporter for the Fort Worth Star Telegram or the Dallas Morning News or the New York Times or whatever. Um, that's, I just, you know, I would read. Three, not the entire uh, paper front to back because I don't care about business and things like that. But uh, three or four sections of the newspaper every day. And I think you, I think I want to encourage you, Brian. You can still do it. You could still <laughs> you could still write for the Four Star Telegram. And yeah, you well, should you should pursue that. Your writing is good. <laughs> well, I, I want to write you. for the New Orleans Times Picayune. Yes, that that's is a, a better good paper. Name. Yeah, it's a better name. One um, of the best newspaper names ever. Yes, but Richard and I both said. Something to the effect of like if we if 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 Richard and I had been born twenty five years earlier, I think we both would be newspapermen, and mm-hmm. that's just not a thing that really exists. By the time I got to high school and into college and stuff, you could kind of already tell that the newspaper is not what it used to be, and we're we're heading down a, a bad trail. And certainly by the time you guys got to, to the you know end of high school and into college and whatnot, um, it was just kind of dead, and so. It's so, I don't know. I kept thinking about Grantland when I was watching this. Not that Grantland was a perfect, uh, perfect website or anything close to well, that. It doesn't but, exist anymore. So I, I know that's what I'm saying. But like, it, it, uh, yeah, that was kind of the for our generation in a lot of ways. That was like the, like the one thing that you kind of hold on to of like it certainly doesn't get everything right, but they're out there and they're trying to write pieces that matter and. Um, and appeal to us, our generation, the millennials or whatever. 
and I'm, this is a very long way to just say like I journalism is just in such a bad state to me and newspaper journalism is essentially dead and then you see a movie like this and you're just like man what could be still you know and what people could do when given the right platform and an audience that actively engaged with it and it's just I just don't I don't know how this story breaks in 2015 you know like it's 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 a completely different story and I it's a pretty mean uh series of tweets if it breaks yeah yeah I mean it's it's you know is it like I don't know it just it's a different story it's a different story I don't know if it's better or worse but it's a different story and as someone who grew up loving the newspaper and wanting to be part of that culture this was uh such a harken back to those old uh feelings and emotions and just um you know in some ways dreams of like because this is just such an important thing that they did and they're newspapermen and that just doesn't exist anymore and it's such a it was such a weird thing for me i don't know i felt like old man river you know watching and just i just wanted to yell at some some youths or something on the way out of like you don't read the paper you don't know anything and um but that comes across so organically that uh you know that it okay i think i would be justified in saying that. you know what i mean like it's not it's not a showy sort of movie that's off in the corner screaming about good old days it's just like this is a thing that happened and man we were thank goodness it did thank goodness for the newspaper you know yeah and another interesting point that you never would have thought about was 9-11 and mm-hmm. i appreciated them at least addressing that because when you see the title card it says July 2001 uh, at the, in the very first scene. You're like, okay, 9-11 is going to happen somewhere probably by the end of this, till it, by the end of this movie, right. by the time this investigation's all said and done. So I appreciated them, sh- you know, showing that it happened and showing that this, they sidetracked everybody um, for a time, a time period from mm. doing this story and working on this story. They, you know, 9-11 was such an impactful event that even the Boston Globe was, you know, investigating it. And, um, and so I appreciated them not beating it over the head, but still addressing it. And, um, you know, I didn't know that Ruffalo's character investigated the, uh, pilots and them going to flight school. That was an interesting little note as well. The impact of nine 11, not only from them working on the story, but you know, it had nine 11 not happened. Maybe this whole priest story is even bigger than it ended up being, you know, and, um, more more was done would have been done about it you know sure. I, I think after 9-11 people just said well are thousands of people dying no okay then it can wait you know right as far as i and i realized it did have an impact and uh, you know a lot of people came forward and all that but i think the impact would have been greater had we not been such a perilous time as a country and just yeah. a, just the worst we could ever be economically and you know, our relationships with other countries, especially, you know, Europe, who was really at fault here is the Vatican and all their, you know, yeah, it, which is revealed at the end. But it's um, it's interesting. But I mean, this this movie's well done as an investigative, you know, almost a thriller. It's kind of weird to say that, but mm-hmm. it's kind of structured like a movie like Zodiac would be, you know, um, where you're trying to find out who the killer is, really, or who's at yeah. fault here. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the more revealing parts of the film, I thought, or one of the breaks in the actual uh, case, which is also extremely interesting, is when they went through the uh, directories of priests and saw that 
the ones that they were investigating were named sick leave or reassigned or whatever. Yeah. So they just assumed that anyone named sick under sick leave or reassigned was a was a child molester. Right. So they were just going through circling that. It was it was that easy, you know. Yeah. They, they that was an incredible that, moment. They made it that easy. Too. Yeah. It was it yeah. was it was a great reveal and man, you just know that the the upper hand was at fault here because uh sir, what should we do about this? Oh, just reassign them or put them on sick leave, you know. And so they were that dumb about it to mark everybody you know, that way, yeah. um, you know, I don't know what, if they all went to court or what, but that was just a, a great break in the case and, you know, ended up leading to them finding the majority of the priests that they did. But also interesting was the story with the attorney who had defended these people or actually, you know, defended them with the parishes and things like that. The Billy Crudup character. What did you yep. think of that plot line, Richard? Yeah, that was a, uh... You know, that whole kind of drama of kind of trying to turn him, right? Yeah. Or yeah. guilt him into, you know, is is certainly, uh, that's, a, that's a plot line. You know, I kind of knew this story um, a little bit going in, but that that was one that I hadn't really thought of or, or known about. And that act ended up maybe being the most interesting plot line to me. It's such, mm-hmm. a, it's such a micro and personal uh, plot line, you know, the, these, these, you know, the, the ethics of, of people in law is, is always kind of interesting to me because, yeah. you know, um, I, I don't think you can make uh, much of an impact financially for yourself or for your firm or whatever if you if you only defend purely innocent people. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And so that's kind of I've never really understood uh, the, the thinking of that. And, and I, I this is passing no judgment because I just don't understand it. Uh, so exploring that a little bit was, was very, very interesting. And, and, and Crudup was, yeah, that's the best he's been since, uh, since Watchmen. No, since, uh, <laughs> since almost famous probably. Yeah. Right. He's great. Big fish too. He's pretty good. In oh yeah. He's that's true. You're right. I always forget about the movie and I love it. Everybody forgets about the movie. It's most forgettable favorite movie of mine. Probably. <laughs> yeah. It's well, funny that that's a forgettable Tim Burton movie and clearly the best thing he's done in a very long time. It's just yeah. kind of odd. Yeah. I liked how there were kind of separate motivations or storylines with each character. Mm-hmm. Um, the Matt Carroll character, um, the the him realizing that, you know, a block away from his house, there was a treatment center or one of these priests lives or something right. and putting the sign on his fridge and yeah, and um, the also the scene towards the end when he puts the paper of them breaking the story on his doorstep. Yeah, um, it's weird that they almost use that for humor. You know, a situation like this that there could be humor in it. But right. I felt like I mean, in my theater, they laughed at those moments. Yeah, but, it, um, it felt like it needed that though. This story, yeah. this movie needed yeah. that kind of right winking very, eye. I guess yeah, v- very natural. You don't even want to call it comic relief, but like yeah. just just a few notes that were slightly funny to give you kind some of, of the banter. A little bit the of a pressure too, was that way too. Yeah, because the pressure in this movie is just yeah, it's, it's, over the top yeah. and very natural in that in that way. Like I felt like as somebody who works for a church and works with kids and and on top of the you know I, I like I said earlier I just love newspapers and journalism and all that sort of stuff like I felt like I was on the verge of tears like the entire movie pretty much like just pressure building up in my chest and so I was very appreciative of every I don't know the half dozen times where there was a little something that was just 
marginally humorous because like okay just that one little breath to kind of give you a break i guess yeah the other one of the other storylines when they actually i think it's rachel mcadams actually visits the priest Mm -hmm. and asks him if he did this basically this is basically very upfront did you do this yeah and he's like yeah you know yeah i thought that was very you know hard to watch but also Mm -hmm. very enlightening Mm-hmm. Um, especially the fact that he said, I didn't rape anybody. Right. <laughs> and that's oh, just well. so, that's just so terrible because it's, you know, it's also said uh, as the character or the person that Rachel McAdams interviews earlier, the wit, the victim says, yeah. you know, I'm a homosexual, you know, and he was the first person that told me it was okay to be gay. Right. So a lot of these priests looked at it like, well, they're not, I'm not, they're not doing anything they wouldn't want to do, you know? I'm get, I'm actually giving them attention and all that, you know. And so he's like, I, I didn't rape anybody because I know because I was raped. I know the difference between consensual and non-consensual sexual relations or whatever. And that's just, it's so bad. It's just, yeah. it's just horrible. And, but, you know, also very, I'm glad I know about it now. I'm glad I, like I said, I'm, this was more educational than it was entertainment for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. What else have we got here? Any performances that, you didn't like in this anything you didn't like how they went about it? Not for me, man. I I think this is pretty close to a perfect film, if not completely. The camera work in here was good too. Um yeah. there are very subtle moments, like especially when they're in their office and you know, Keaton's right. office is kinda of in the back of there. And yeah. like when he would receive an important call, the camera would slowly move in on him right. or slowly yeah. tilt back, you know, and um it's not yeah, showy camera work, and yeah. it's not. It's not. It's a, very subtle. Like I had to look at the edges of the screen at certain mm-hmm, times to even mm-hmm. be able to tell the camera was moving. Yeah, uh, it's a lot. This one is a lot more about the sets and the set pieces than mm-hmm. it is the uh, just kind of con- creating that that authentic night two thousand one atmosphere than it is about you know like Creed was all about the way the camera moves and all that sort of thing. Like this is a different kind of of shot style and directing and whatnot. And I was impressed. Another moment <laughs> impressed with all. was a good directorial moment. I'm not sure if it was in the screenplay or not, but when they, when Ruffalo sees the kids singing uh, yeah. silent oh, night, gosh, yeah. Silent night. I was just thinking of the lyrics and all that and how perfect of a moment that was for this movie. And mm-hmm. you know, yeah, man, what an impactful moment that was or, little right. montage that was yeah yeah, yeah I, whoever said it i think you're right like this is a this is ruffalo's this is his best performance and, and he's coming off like last year with foxcatcher that was unbelievable yeah. you know yeah. man this guy he's gonna just do this he's like all right i'm gonna do marvel and yeah. whatever else oscars that's all i'm gonna do you know yeah. <laughs> like yeah he's he's, 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 he's played it right and now you see me yeah right and he's <laughs> turned me because i i've never been a ruffalo fan but you're right. Like Foxcatcher, he was incredible, and he's had other smaller performances where he's been really good. Like I have to at this Zodiac point say, good. yeah, Zodiac, he's great. I have to at this point say, like whatever I've been holding against him, I've got to let go because he's he's an incredible performer. Uh, now you see me aside, uh, and this was he had two or three in a, in a very non non showy Oscar film. He had the two or three most showy moments, and and I I mean that in a good way. Like it that his uh, the uh, it could have been us. Yeah, that yeah. was an incredible. It was, it, that was bone chillingly good. Yeah, like that and was. Then, yeah, right. And then follow that up almost directly when he's talking to McAdams about like why this is affecting him so badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are, you know, those are the type of things where you say you look at the script and you read the script and and 
that's a well-scripted scene. All both of them are. They're really good. But that's one area where like the script cannot possibly uh, do do that scene justice. You have to have a performer who absolutely just nails it. And gosh, I was I was blown away by the by those those sequences. Um, I thought he was better than than I've ever uh, <laughs> I've ever seen him. And and we're at a point where he's been he's been very very good in several films over the last few years. Yeah, I just want to restate that I'm so glad Keaton is back and doing yes, movies yes. again. Like, yeah. and and this is not a movie we would ever see him normally in. Like, this would have been, I don't know, Clooney in other years, or I don't know. Yeah, just another established actor. Mm-hmm. But he's such a he's in his, he's back he's back. You know, it's official. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I don't know if this will get an Emmy nomination or anything. I didn't think it was flashy enough particularly for this year like as opposed to like Fassbender how he was just over the top and like in a different mindset the entire time and all I think there will be flashier stuff but man he was so so solid if he ends up winning an Oscar for this and not Birdman I'll be I'll be like what is even happening you know it'll be weird but he has a chance on that just based on I think there's there's a uh that narrative of uh oh it's a second time back you know like the Oscars or what'll happen yeah or what'll happen is spotlight will win best picture and he won't win it it'll just like birdman you know <laughs> it's like yeah but i think IndieWire has him tagged as the as a supporting actor and this is the number two guy behind okay. stallone right now that could be so, and ahead of yeah. plotline to to follow yeah, definitely but we'll see what an awesome category again this year uh, it's, it's always always the best category always yeah. like the top five on IndieWire are stallone keaton Mark Rylance from Bridges Spies. Yeah. Ruffalo wow. Ruffalo and Hardy from uh Revenant. So okay. <laughs> yeah. That sounds all right to me. You know, that's Yeah, those are all Food really Sly good. somehow beats those four. It's gonna Gosh. be the greatest moment. I think Mark Rylance might win that. Yeah, I agree. And I think he vote. deserves to. Mark Rylance yeah. is those unreal. are yeah. having not seen the Revenant, the other four, those are that's a strong, strong set of actors right there. Interesting set no Seth Rogan talk. Yeah, I haven't seen. I haven't seen any talk of that. Rogan, is I, making, you you were hearing about it right when that movie right. came out, but yeah, yeah, that didn't That's, last long. It's that is always the toughest category to stay in. Like mm-hmm. that, there are in most years you could pick fifteen or twenty guys who absolutely deserve a nomination in that field. It's just it's always the thickest field. It's just Jonah Hill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's nominated yeah. twice and hasn't won either time because yeah. it's just so stacked every year. <laughs> some some. Yeah. It'll yeah. be interesting to see. Um, yeah, I mean, Miles Teller is Miles Teller or Michael B. Jordan the lead of Fantastic Four. <laughs> Which one would you consider supporting? I think Michael. I think Miles Teller will probably get nominated for Insurgent, so that he'll <laughs> it'll probably be Michael. B. Make Jordan. it easier on. Yeah, okay, that's fair. I mean, is Michael in, B. Jordan in the talk for Best Actor at all? Anywhere? Yeah, he's like right on the outside looking in. Let's see. So again, IndieWire. Shout out to IndieWire if IndieWire wants to send us some money. Uh, <laughs> Top five right now are DiCaprio, Damon, Fossbender, Depp, and Redmayne. And then right on the outside is Michael B., Jordan, and Will Smith. I would probably put Michael B. ahead of Je- of Depp at this point. I don't know. I would definitely put him ahead of, well, I'm, I guess we haven't seen The Danish Girl, so I can't really say that. But yeah, that looks like the type of film that I hate the most. Just for the sake of Eddie Redmayne needs to stop for a while. and get, Yeah, just take a break. Just take a, take a breather, you know. That's the type of movie that I just I feel like, especially coming off last year when he he won. And he's great. He's a great actor. And uh, the uh, what, what was that movie even called? I can't. Gosh, I can't remember the uh, yeah, I Stephen Hawking movie. Um, Theory of just, Everything. 
Yeah, I'm just tired of that kind of performance. Like the performance where you where you look at the script and say, "Well, I want an Oscar for this," you know? <laughs> yeah. Just like, come on, I, I don't know, do something more interesting. Yeah, he's definitely in that uh, category of controversial and over the top um, performances. Yeah, I mean, he was in Jupiter Ascending. Can yeah, we, controversial. Can we not hold that I mean. against him for a couple years. Like that's. <laughs> Gosh, that was the worst performance yeah. of of all time. Maybe not mm-hmm. even getting. So bad. So I want to talk about one more thing before okay. we. I know we got we got to cut out before too yeah. long. Um, but I come at this. I think we we all come at this from interesting angles. One of the things that interests me the most was the handling of the faith aspect of this and the church aspect because the Catholic Church is so huge up there. This is you know all based in Boston. It's such a huge part of life there. The scene where they're they're talking to one of the the survivors and uh, and going through like you know I was raised Catholic but not you know all that sort of thing, and then compared that to the scene where Ruffalo is talking about um, you know how he in the back of his mind he always thought that he would go back to the church at some point that kind yeah, of yeah that was a, a very it was impactful so scene sobering too. Yeah. and impactful and you know like I said I mean I I work for a church it's a very important part of my part of my life and I know Richard your your mom was 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 Catholic so you're you're kind of closer to the the Catholicism yeah, I, was, side. I was raised Catholic yeah right mm-hmm. and I thought I just wanted to say like I very much appreciated how this film handled that aspect of it because you know look i'm i'm I, i've been in this in the church forever and i see some of the horrible horrible things that have come out of that you know and mm-hmm. i i don't know it this this film was one of the few i think that that goes that delves so deep into religion and still manages to i don't want to say be respectful because obviously there's nothing involved with this story that is that should be respected you know like it's a horrible horrible right. thing that was done mm-hmm. But it comes out feeling like it under if nothing else that it understands the why so many people still are are so actively involved in this you know in this religion and and how that in some ways how that played against them as far as the the cardinal and such basically guilting them into staying quiet for thirty years you know that sort of thing. But I was very impressed with the way that it handled the religion aspect of it and it wasn't just. I kind of feel like usually in this kind of movie, I just expect it's going to just bash uh, religion in general, and I just have to deal with that because, well, it's a horrible, it's a horrible, horrible thing that happened, and we deserve to be bashed. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And this was one that handled that much more gracefully. I was impressed with that aspect. I didn't know if you guys had any any thoughts on that, or uh, especially for Richard, since you again were raised Catholic, like how that sort of thing played out for you or how you felt about the, the, the handling of the, of religion in the movie. Yeah, no, I, that's, that's an interesting talking point. I, I think, uh, you know, I was, I was, uh, you know, an altar boy, you know, for my entire childhood. Um, I was, I was, you know, blessed with very, very, uh, I, I think I had three priests, uh, growing up. Um, all three, I was, you know, the perfect amount of close with, you know, nothing ever remotely weird or, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah. They were just wonderful, wonderful men. I will say that, um, you know, growing up in that world was uh, when this story broke, it wasn't as shocking in my house because sure. those whispers had been out there for my, that was always something that was kind of talked about, you know, not in, 
polite company, but maybe at home. Right, you know? right. Um, you know, there's there were. It, it, it's sad because I think most of the way uh, that that was kind of explored, at least in my family, was <laughs> was kind of through jokes. Like he just kind of told jokes about. You know, mm. it, was, it was a different time, and it's an embarrassing time. Uh, that that because this isn't funny. Right. Uh, but that that those kind of jokes about priests, you know, being a little too attentive to kids or something, you know. Sure. Yeah. Um. So the Catholic Church is a it's, is a particularly interesting thing to explore here, and I think it, part of it is the construct of that church because it's such a um, it's such an organization, right? And in that organization, be, over thousands of years, um, you know, being kind of a whole second world within our world, right? If you're a member of that church, it's kind of like being a member of an order. Mm-hmm. Um, that you you can attack that organization for things they've done wrong, and and not attack the theology. Yeah, and so yeah. because it's because the construct of that church is so is so kind of separate from the theology in a way. That they're, you know, like I, I uh, am no longer practicing Catholic, but I still kind of identify as it's like separate. Right? Sure, sure. You know, I've I've gone into other denominations in 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 my teenage and adulthood, but like culturally, I still kind of identify, and, and that's separate from the, the theology. So I think right one can, you know, where something more kind of your traditional, um, uh, kind of evangelical you know, Bible churches or whatever of, mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm. of the modern America, um, you know, that, the, that organization is smaller. It's more micro. It's not, you know, there's not these huge international organizations across these denominations. And so, you know, to attack them often is to attack their particular values or their particular, um, uh, you know, relationship with, with their beliefs. And with Catholic church, it is so kind of industrialized <laughs> that, right. uh, one can investigate this or criticize this, you know, particular denomination without, without, you know, picking apart what what they believe in. So I think, you know, yet just you're correct, Brian, this, this movie did go with that from the kind of the perfect tone, but a lot of that is just kind of circumstantial as well. No, I yeah, it's just, you know, overall, you know, what I came away thinking about is just, man, how sad it was. You know, it's it, these men have used right. basically taken advantage of the name of the church and said, yeah. you know, yeah. and mani- it's manipulation is what it is. Yeah. It's it's, oh, it's mani- if manipulation was a felony, you know, they'd be in prison. Right. You know, it's uh, yeah. power they, and influence to, you know, yeah. I mean, ruin people. people's yeah. faith is, you know, just by nature grants you an enormous amount of power over them. If, right. If you're a member right. of something, you know, religious faith is 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 fervent. And so, uh, you know. Uh, this the 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 old saying absolute power you know corrupts absolutely or whatever i mean who has more power than someone who's a member of someone's belief system yeah yeah the leader of their belief system yeah exactly i mean it's uh it's it's a circumstance that's that makes this even more more sad like it's the the crime is is heinous it's um cover up is is just as violent. It was also right. an interesting thing to see the two perspectives of the two victims. The one victim said, "You know, you can use my name. Just get the bastards or whatever." Right. And the other guy yeah. was like, "Don't use my name and just yeah. I don't want to make a big deal of this and all that." You know, um, yeah. it was very two different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I think they say I, I can't remember if it's Keaton uh, who said or Slattery who says, 
you know, he's the lucky one. He's still alive. You know, yes, a lot of these gosh, people just kill themselves, was... you know, and yeah. they can't even, they can't live with it. And they kind of do show, you know, the guy who says, just, just catch the guy, catch the uh, priest. Right. They show his arm and he definitely was a heroin addict or had turned right. to drugs yeah. um, because of, you know, the experience he had when he was younger. But man, it's just, it just still goes on, I'm sure. And, you know, I, I sympathize with these people and it's just, it's terrible. And I'm glad this movie brings some of it to light. That's all we can hope for is that yeah, people start talking about this more and this encourages more people to come forward if they haven't already. So yeah. that's all we can hope for. But should we move on to grades or is there anything else? No, uh, I think we we covered it pretty well. Okay, I'm going to give this an A. This is uh, one of the best of the year, you know, and this will be in the conversation later, I think. So, um, solid A. Brian? Yeah, I'm going to go uh, A+. Plus. It's, this is the top five movie of the year, maybe top of the year. I'm, I'm real excited about what the last few weeks of this year bring because this, yeah. this has been a great year for film. Richard? Uh, I'll go with Brian. I'll go A+, plus as well. Okay. Well, uh, go see Spotlight. I realize it's not out you know there's not, not much we could spoil in this one so there was no spoiler alerts um, sure. i think uh, most of it's already been spoiled that this happened i mean that's right. the only spoil right. is that uh yeah. they've investi- been investigating these priests so go see it it's um it's worth your your time and money you know it's not a waste of time like a lot of these movies this year have been kind of forgetful uh right. you'll definitely remember this and it'll definitely uh have a a big influence on um the way you look at uh religion and the Catholic church and all that, uh, yeah. going forward. So thank you. Uh, thank you again, guys, for, for suggesting this one. This was good. This was good. Yeah. A lot of very good film. Very, very good. good. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam, Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know, it's time to talk about blue apron. If you haven't tried out blue apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms, and there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now, and they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy-glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. All right. Well, let's uh, hit a recommend. Weekly recommends. All right, Richard. Yeah, I, uh... I was all set to recommend. Um, all set, even wrote it down. The um, Bill Murray Christmas special. Yeah, yeah. And then and then I watched it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we'll just wave over that one. Um, so uh, I'm gonna recommend. Let me see here what it was. I had sorry, wrote it down late last night, and uh, here we are. Brian, why don't you just go ahead? I'll go after you, so we don't just sure. stall time. So I've been I haven't been watching too much lately. I've been working like. A- billion hours a week but uh this last week i watched all of the office christmas episodes which is one of oh my, yeah one of your traditions yeah one of my traditions my, my 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 wife and my kiddo and i we like decorate the tree and uh you know put up all of that stuff be very uh domestic and uh and watch always watch the office episodes and so 
Uh, I did again this year. I might watch them again before it's because it's been a while since I've uh, watched much Office, which is still, you know, the best. Still the best. Uh, Benihana Christmas. I think Benihana Christmas is the best one. I don't know. Do you guys have an opinion on that? Because, because like yeah. uh, white, white, what is it? White Elephant Christmas. That one's that's the first one. That's pretty great. Uh, man, but I think I think Benihana Christmas is the best. I like one. the one where uh, where Michael is it? Classy Christmas where Phyllis is the Santa Claus and uh, Michael it's, gets upset. Secret Santa or something like that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Moroccan Christmas is the, is another one. Yeah, Secret Santa. Yeah. Yeah, Secret Santa is the one where Phyllis is Santa and Michael gets upset, so so he dresses like Jesus and he offends everybody. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that one's great. great. You know which uh, one that's underrated this time around that I realized, and I may write something about this for the blog if I get if I get time. Uh, The last one, which is Dwight Christmas, yes, love that one. So good, and I think I just kind of written that one off because classy christmas and benihana christmas and all that are are so much more established but dwight has like the german uh, yes where he's dressed as uh dash nickel or something like that uh is a really funny episode so anyway the office is on netflix if you've ever watched the office now's the time to revisit office christmas episodes okay i'm gonna recommend uh something on netflix as well it's a documentary about neil young called heart of gold oh Oh, nice nice. and uh, neil young is a great um, singer-songwriter. I don't know if uh, he was uh, a part of some bigger bands, uh, you know, in his youth. Uh, Buffalo Springfield, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young at one point. Right. And, uh, of course, you know, has had a very successful solo career. But um, I, I love me some Neil Heart Young. So when, he's, he's American treasure, like... North American treasure. North American yeah. treasure, like, kind of personality. And yeah, um, his music is obviously... Great, and it's it's fun to visit in the winter. It's very wintry music. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and it's totally. it's great to put on. Uh, you should do a holiday album. He should. I would actually really enjoy that. But uh, like yeah. Dylan's weird one he did a few years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Have either of you guys heard the the album that he recorded at uh, at Third Man last yeah. year, yeah. the year before, where he yeah. just he recorded in in that booth that Jack White yeah. bought. That was really weird. Yeah. It's really weird, but it's so cool. It it sounds great, and it, I think it's only on vinyl. It sounds awesome. Didn't he do a Dolly Parton song or something? Or yeah, it's Dylan just all. Or... It's not like standards, but it's uh, I guess it's all covers of, yeah. of well known, mostly country ish songs. But it's just him in a sound booth from like 1950 with you know one instrument. Uh, it's it's so cool really cool sounding cool all right well uh that's my recommend check out neil young let's do his albums yeah and uh good stuff brian i did mine richard oh yeah richard oh yeah so i'm gonna i i'm good job richard taking these notes last night um i'm gonna say because of the investigation uh investigative journalism theme in this there's actually a show on um by i think the best uh tv investigative journalist right now kind of kind of exploring these things in kind of a gonzo way uh it's on uh, cnn i think and it's called this is life with lisa ling okay uh, if you guys know anything about lisa. lisa ling's really good and i think her reputation may be tarnished about around not super fans of hers because she was on the view for several years but she's yeah. really good and um she'll go and like you know totally investigate a motorcycle gang or, you know, traveling strippers or just kind of interesting, uh, sex of life. Um, that's, you know, S E C T S, um, for <laughs> making sure, 
Um, and it's just a really good hour of TV where you, you know, you, it's basically like a long form 2020 piece. Um, yeah. but she picks her subjects really well and it's, it's, it's a great, great watch. So, uh, you know, to keep, keeping with theme, I'll, I'll, I'll recommend that. Nice. What is it called again? I believe it's called this is life with Lisa Ling. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. All right. Well, where can we find you online, Brian? You can find me on the Twitter at BGill12, and you can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Richard, where can we find you? Hey, you can find me at uh, Richard Barden on Twitter or uh, richardbarden.com. And Kent, where can I find you? You can find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison, and find our show on Twitter at MAM underscore podcast, or just search Mad About Movies. And uh, you can find us on Facebook as well at Mad About Movies Podcast, and find every episode we've done at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. And if you like our show, want to support us, want to keep the show going, you can donate the amount of your choosing on our website as well. Just click donate. It makes it super simple for you. So until next time, uh, until Star Wars, I guess, guys. Maybe, no, Heart of the Sea? Yeah, Heart of the Sea. Heart of the Sea, yeah. And we'll also have at least one more uh, Star Wars marathon episode out this week. Two. Two Two more. Two more. Three more total, but two more. um, Okay. Okay. Later. All right. Well, uh, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me yaya. Yeah, yeah.